is a place where they'll pay you a thousand dollars for a kiss and fifty cents for your soul. Welcome to Holly Weird, a podcast about celebrity deaths and the strange events in Tinseltown and beyond. We are your hosts, Megan Carpenter and Liz Shire. This episode is a collection of the macabre, celebrity stories united by a single thread. Linked in their deaths, years, even decades apart, these names will be spoken together in the same conversation for years to come. Ask and you shall receive. This is the 27 Club. All right, uh, moving on. So we are continuing our chronological 27 Club journey, moving into the not-so-distant future uh, from Janice, whom we just talked about. Our next uh, person for conversation is Jim Morrison. So Jim Morrison was an American singer, songwriter, and poet who is best known as the lead vocalist of the rock band The Doors. Despite his shortened career, his wild onstage presence and personality, instantly recognizable voice, and crazy circumstances around his death made Jim Morrison known as one of the most iconic frontmen in the history of rock and roll. So I'm a little bit nervous about this one, Liz. Oh, why? So I feel like of all the ones we're, um, we have talked about and we'll be talking about throughout this episode, um, Jim in particular has been, A, our most requested, mm. and B, I feel like he is just a little bit more notable than the rest. I don't want... I mean, we just talked about, like, two of the greatest people in the history of rock and roll. So, like, but I feel like if you, um, <laughs> I don't know, you have, like, a rock god and a rock goddess. Like, this is, like, the patriarch of rock gods, Jim Morrison. Oh, that's really giving him a lot of credit. <laughs> I, it's not, <laughs> it is not. A, I, no, I feel like, I feel like that's a culturally unbiased opinion. I guess we'll get there. That's not that's not like me. Um, that's not me conveying any personal feelings about Jim Morrison. I just feel like he has um, like a heavier stake in the history of rock and roll um, from the research that I've done. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. So, are you concerned that we're not going to do it justice? Um, I guess. I, I guess I don't want to a disappoint anyone who who requested um Jim specifically, but also like I I <laughs> I, I I'm more nervous talking about Jim Morrison than I was about than talking about Paul Walker. Okay, yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, my coworker said she was horrified at our opinions about Paul Walker. She felt betrayed. So she's a Paul Walker stan? Yeah, and I said, I stand by what I said. He's not the best <laughs> actor. What do you want? <laughs> Allie B, that's um, you. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. All right. So um, let me just tell you how Jim Morrison died. So 
interestingly enough, I got, um, like, there are some Jimi Hendrix vibes to be had here. Mm. Um, and obviously I was researching everyone simultaneously in the, um, assembly of this episode. And I was kind of like, wait, which one, who is this? So (laughs) Jimi Hendrix, an American musician died in London. Um, Jim Morrison, American musician died in Paris. Hmm. And this was like all around the same time, like hanging where their girlfriends lived, um, kind of deal. So we are July 3rd. 1971 so again not even a year after the passings of Jimi hendrix and janice joplin july 3rd 1971 jim morrison was found dead in the bathtub of his paris apartment in march of that year he had moved to paris where girlfriend pamela corson was living she found his body the day he died while the official cause of death was listed as heart failure No autopsy was performed, and several people claimed to be eyewitnesses, saying that what really killed him was an accidental heroin overdose. So the leading theory, though never confirmed, is that Jim Morrison died from a heart attack brought brought on by drug use. What? Yes. So, as we talked about, um, and... uh, Forgive me, I don't know if we talked about this while we were recording or while we were just, like, shooting the shit, but how, like, what uh, about your nervous system um, goes under when you die from a drug overdose? And we talked about most often it is your lung and your breathing becomes suppressed and you die from, uh, like, basically no oxygen. So the fact fact that he died from a heart attack... um, brought up by drug use kind of struck me as odd although to be honest I don't know if that's common or uncommon just that I would think it's not the usual route of it like overdose now we're getting to some I don't know I guess I feel a shame I don't know what do you guys we're not doctors <laughs> I guess I'm not 100% sure what kills you when you die of an overdose like you stop Although, I guess it depends on what drug you die from, too. Like, what caused your overdose. I would think if you're... Although heroin is a downer, so I would think that would be breathing. But if you were to die of, like, an overdose from, like, an amphetamine, I would think that as an upper, it would cause, like, a heart arrhythmia problem. That sounds very smart. I'll go with that. (laughs) But um, from what I've read, it was likely heroin so that contradicts everything i just said so i think ultimately the point of this is there was no autopsy so your guess is as good as mine so like i mentioned just putting this to a timeline his death was approximately nine months after those of hendrix and joplin and then interestingly enough his girlfriend uh, pam corson died three years after him also at the age of 27 what the what and we'll get there. Well, so, so now this is just a sidebar. Now this is, I am now I think understanding that for the most part, this phenomenon is about this era, of like, because these three people died within, like a year of each other. These like huge, huge names, like these huge artists, like that influenced music forever. Like I think, now that I'm un- I'm understanding, you think twenty seven twelve is more about this era than anything. One person also from this area, from the 27 Club, whom we're not covering on this episode, is Brian Jones, who uh, 
was a founding member of the Rolling Stones, died in 1969. Mm. So obviously you have, a, you have like four people, prominent musicians right from this era who died all together. So I would say that yes, um, these three, four, if you, inclu- if you include Brian Jones, which I would, um, are the keystone members of this phenomenon. And then you have Kurt later on and you have Amy later on and they yes, are members of this club, but I feel like if these deaths didn't happen, there would be no club. Yes. Yeah, totally. It's all coming together for me. (laughs) All right. So um, I want to talk about the doors a little bit, just because while Jimmy and Janice were independent musicians, I mean, no shade to full full tilt boogie, um, independent musicians, uh, Jim Morrison was a part of a band, a very popular band called The Doors. So The Doors formed in the summer of 1965 after Jim Morrison graduated from UCLA Film School. And it was a a chance encounter by basically a bunch of beach bums who just kind of met on the beaches of California and decided to form a band. And the name was derived from Aldous Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception. And the books claimed that these doors could be unlocked through psychedelic drug use. Hmm. Laying laying some groundwork here. <laughs> the Doors hit it big in 1967. So again, you have someone who uh, was famous for a very limited period of time. Uh, they had a reputation as being perpetual boundary pushers. During an appearance on the Ed Sullivan show in which they performed the song Light My Fire, producers asked them to change the lyric Uh, The lyric goes, girl, we couldn't get much higher. And they wanted them to say, girl, we couldn't get much better. Keep it a little more family friendly. And they were like, sure, sure, no problem. And then they sang it the original way anyway during their performance. You know that I would be a liar If I was to say to you Girl, we couldn't get much higher Um, and then they were never on the Ed Sullivan show again. So <laughs> I think it worked out okay for the doors, just yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, that was in 67. Also in 67, uh, Jim Morrison was arrested on stage during a gig in New Haven, Connecticut. And this is literally the best story I've ever heard. Buckle up. Do tell. So... <laughs> Allegedly, I have to say this, all allegedly, Jim Morrison was making out backstage with a female fan when a police officer who was providing security at the gig didn't recognize him. And the the officer said, you two, beat it. And then Morrison was like, eat it. And then when the officer pulled out Mace and said, this is your last chance, Jim Morrison replied, and this is your last chance to eat it. And then, (laughs) so the show started late. Because Jim Morrison had to recover from getting maced by this security person, oh my God. police officer. 
So then he got maced, and then Jim Morrison, once he got on stage, launched into this tirade about blue pigs, meaning police officers, um, during a performance of the song Backdoor Man. And then police joined him on stage and arrested him right on stage. Um, charges included inciting a riot, indecency, public obscenity, 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 obscenity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a mini riot ensued on the streets of New Haven and 13 other people were arrested. Wow. Is that like that so is... rock and roll? Oh <laughs> my God. I just imagine him like drunkenly saying that like, well, just to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, honestly, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Funnily enough, reminds me of how um, one of my favorite artists and ultimate crush, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, was arrested for uh, inciting a riot at a show. <laughs> you know, I can't believe it. What are we on right now? Like, episode, like, 15 or 16? I can't believe it's taken that many episodes <laughs> for you to finally work Machine Gun Kelly into. <laughs> well, you know, it actually, you're really, actually, yeah, that's amazing. I guess it shows my restraint. <laughs> Everyone knows how much I have a crush on him to the point where my supervisor texted me once. We were talking about scheduling. He goes, by the way, something happened with Machine Gun Kelly in the news. And I thought, oh, Liz thinks he's handsome. (laughs) (laughs) So let's sidebar for a second. How do you feel about Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly? Did we talk about this? I mean, we spoke about this. I don't think we spoke about this with our listeners. Okay. Um... You know, it's like R.I.P. my chances with MGK, you know, because I really can't compete with that. Uh, Is it like once you go Megan Fox, you never go back? (laughs) I guess so. I think that she, this is going to sound really sad, I'm really sorry, MGK. I think that he is her rebound. I think that she is like finally free of Brian Austin Green and is like, yeah, like, let me date this guy who, like, probably smells like cigarettes and, like, dies there and, like, blah, 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 like, um. But they're twin flames. Oh, God. That post that she made, like, achingly beautiful boy was like, ugh, you people are disgusting. Like. Well, you heard my prediction. I think that she and Bag get off on this shit. I think that they get off on, like. Yeah. The drama. the drama and like dicking each other over and stuff so while i agree with you that mgk could be a rebound it wouldn't surprise me if like two or three years from now she's pregnant with their fourth yeah that's like i know that makes you feel bad for mgk i think i think you can be there to console him yeah i mean i have dreams you know like a girl can dream and he's he's admitted before that he's hooked up with fans and as your friend, I am a full supporter of your dreams. I wish you nothing but all of the MGK hookup glory. <laughs> Thank you so much. I also read a blind item once that he tested positive for syphilis. That's one of the ones that you can cure with antibiotics. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have anything to worry about there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we got to get through Jim Morrison. Okay. Okay. Oh, my gosh. In 1969, he was also arrested once again for indecent exposure um, after he allegedly exposed himself on stage during a concert in Miami. I'm not sure sure why people were mad about that, though. I mean, he was like a sexy rock god. If if you went to an MGK concert and he whipped it out, you'd be like, hey! (laughs) 
I would be excited. Yes. Yes, <laughs> Megan, I would be excited. <laughs> He's already shirtless. He never wears a shirt. What's taking off his pants? I think we need to write a thesis about how MGK is the new Jim Morrison. Oh, and you know what? MGK has a song called 27 where he talks about how he doesn't want to die at 27 to turn his life around. And if I must go and die at 27, then at least I know I died a legend. <laughs> there you go, baby. Also, a new sidebar. You and I are both older than 27. When you turned, be honest, when you turned 28, were you like, whew? Um, not when I turned 28, but my uh, former boss who listens to this podcast, um, she's a fan. She's had a couple suggestions. She, they called me, I was working on my birthday and like my coworkers brought me flowers and like a car, which is really, really nice. And then they were on vacation, but they called me anyway. And then my boss was like, happy birthday, sweetie. Like you're 27, don't die this year. It's like, <laughs> dang. <laughs> Thank that you. Goes, no, I mean, that just goes to show how um, it's really penetrated though the zeitgeist in in that everyone um who is just even slightly pop culture savvy is like don't die this year yeah yeah you know it's a thing um okay so the doors uh just to show like how busy they were and um honestly like what a machine they were they released six albums in a little over four years with morrison at the helm okay i'm gonna can I counter that? Yeah. Uh, permission to speak. <laughs> Your honor can object. Yeah. So, yes, they did produce a lot of music. Like, there is an astounding amount of music that the Doors have. However, they are a jam band. They have 12-minute songs. They have organ solos. It is, I, th- it's like Fish. Like, yes, Fish puts out a billion albums, but it's not like they're doing multiple takes. They're like, Shh. Yeah, that's not sounding good. Let's just keep going. Like, it's not... Do you know what I mean? I can feel the retweets being <laughs> assembled. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... I, it is a different kind of style. And then also, when you think about... Like, yes, people toured back then. But, like, this was not, like, a Katy Perry 2014 Prism World Tour. Right. Like... Like, I, I feel like they had, um, they didn't have social media presences to, like, keep up with, um, you know, they didn't have to do fucking podcasts. Right. So, um, I, I do feel like they had more, and any artist of this era had more time. Yes. Okay. So, totally I, I mean, I feel like, regardless of their musical style, um, I feel like, the time <laughs> allowed more time to and produce al- more totally and also the only way like all those things that you just mentioned are now ways that artists are now pressured to do those things but that's also ways they reach their fans and how they provide content essentially that word wasn't around back in 1969 but back then the only thing you could do is make an album Right. And like, let's take um, Taylor Swift, for example. So she released two albums, Lover and then Folklore, 11 months apart. And people were like, their minds were blown that Taylor Swift um, (laughs) released two albums in less than a year. But like, it took like a global pandemic for her to have the time to do that. 
So, you know, it's just, and I'm not saying, um, you know, I'm not saying that like one, it, one way of doing things is better than another way of doing things. It's different today. Definitely. All right. So, um, with those, um, little stories about Jim Morrison's tenure with the doors, um, basically what I'm getting at is during this time, um, this is an evolution of a drug and alcohol problem with this man. Um, it's theorized that he was meeting both a self-medication need and, uh, a stimulant to his creativity with drugs. Hmm. In 1968, he passed out on stage during a show in Amsterdam. Prior to the show, The Doors and, and Jefferson Airplane, who was also playing the show with them, they went for a walk in the red light district and they were easily recognized by fans and offered all sorts of drugs on the street, all of which Jim Morrison consumed. So that evening, during Jefferson Airplane's act, they went first. Jim Morrison came on stage and started dancing. And the tempo picked up, and so did Jim Morrison, <laughs> until ultimately he crashed on stage and passed out. The Doors had to play as a trio that night while Morrison was out cold on stage. And keyboardist uh, Raymond Zarek, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Please don't hate me, Doors fans. Um, he did the singing. So, like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I put a picture in our Google Doc of, like, Jim Morrison, microphone in hand, like, fucking asleep, passed out on the stage. Can you imagine being a fan, paying money for a ticket to go see them, and then what you get is the keyboardist doing lead vocals while your lead vocalist is passed the F out on stage. Oh my God. It's um a lot. It's Guys, a lot. We're gonna post this picture at some point. Jim Morrison is curled up like he's going to bed. He's like in the fetal position. Also, why did no one call an ambulance or something? <laughs> That's a really good question, too. You know, this kind of reminds me of, though, like, you know how when Amy Winehouse was, like, like, dozing on stage, basically, like, towards the end, and you're like, damn, this girl's days are numbered, is yeah. honestly, like, the thought that went through people's heads. I guess, was it, so, first of all, I'm, like, imagining in my mind Jefferson Airplane and the Doors in the Red Light District together <laughs> in, what was it, 1969? 69. 68. 68. In 1968, like, that is just <laughs> the most amazing, like, I, it, that's crazy. That's, like, that had to be such a crazy time. So, of course, this is what happened. You know, like, and I feel like this was, so just like maybe why no one uh, called an ambulance for Amy Winehouse when she was on stage, clearly super fucked up, probably blackout. Because everyone was so used to her doing that. Like this, this was probably normal for this context of what they were doing. Like everybody at this show was probably on some form of drugs. Yeah. Like, that's got to be the only explanation for why they didn't call you know. I did read I did read that Jefferson Airplane was a little bit pissed that he was like laying it upstage no downstage. He's like right in front of the he's right at the edge of the stage here. Mm -hmm. Um also 
I've never been more theatery on this podcast. Oh, and I was like, he's he's downstage. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I read that they were like a little bit pissed off about this, which I would be too. But shit. Um. Wait, but anyway, didn't they, didn't they open? Yes. So they Jefferson Airplane opened, and then he just like sauntered on stage to dance to their music, passed out, and was still passed out when the Doors then came on stage to play. Oh my god, this is such a mess. Yeah. Do they not have a tour manager? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh my god. They, I mean, that tour manager was probably like, I'm just I'm just gonna leave. I, <laughs> You know, you guys, I've been trying. Um, it's not working out. It's not, it's not you, it's me. It's me. <laughs> um, Hightailed it. Oh my god. So I want to peep in the psyche real quick. So Jim Morrison had very difficult familial relationships. Um, I'm very I'm interested on your take on this. So this is why I'm bringing this up. So he came from a military family, um, as many people do, and was disciplined as a child through vigorous verbal degradation. It reached a boiling point after he graduated from UCLA and he broke off communication with his family. Once he hit it big, he would claim that his parents and siblings were dead or he would claim that he was an only child and none of that was true. Mm. After hearing The Doors' debut album, his dad wrote him a letter saying he should give up because he was talentless. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but three years later, he wrote another letter to the Florida Parole Board in which he acknowledged his responsibility in breakdown of family communication and said that he was proud of Jim in this letter three years later. So... Um, you think this may have contributed to the chip on his shoulder? Like, he obviously had a disregard for authority. Mm. Um, he... I, I would say it was like an isolationist type of mentality with him. Mm. Um, what uh, do you think that his rock star behavior is in any way a byproduct of his uh, tumultuous childhood? That's super interesting that you bring that up. I think, yeah, that, like, disregard for authority that you're talking about remind me, I'm not trying to diagnose people, but of oppositional defiant disorder, where it's essentially just placed, like, you think that your parents are assholes, and then that translates to, like, all authority figures. Like, the whole, like, telling a cop to eat it, like, you know, and getting maced in the face, it's, like, to the point where it's at your detriment. Like, it makes no sense for you to continue to, like, defy authority, but you do it anyway. And, like, that's definitely him, for sure. Even down to, like, the Ed Sullivan show, like, refusing to change the lyrics. Like, that messed up things for his, you know, his job, essentially, like, being a musician for the rest of his band members. But, like, he did it anyway. So, um, people who have, what did you say that was? Oppositional Defiant Disorder. Oppositional defiant disorder. Are these usually people who have come from difficult childhood childhoods? Not necessarily. It's more about the relationship part of it. So it doesn't have to be like necessarily abuse, even though it says he experienced verbal abuse. But it's more like a lack of attachment between parent and child that causes like constant conflict 
um, and like kind of a constant battle. And then it kind of translates to kids really believing that like their parents are not on their side. Their parents are out to get them like that the parents are assholes, basically. And then as an wow. adult, it usually translates into if it doesn't get resolved into personality disorder, like paranoid personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder. Oh, God, that's so, that's so interesting. That's so interesting. Okay, cool. I'm glad and I brought then, it up. And then, like, kind of clearly, like, coming from a military family, like, so that's probably what we would call um, authoritarian parenting style, where you're incredibly demanding, but you're very low in responsiveness. So it's like, mm-hmm. do what I say, I don't care how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. Which that creates somebody who would either be totally submissive or defy authority all the time. Mm-hmm. And here we have a case of the latter. Yep. Okay. Um, so as we spoke of earlier, no autopsy was performed when he passed. So there are many theories about his death and we'll never know for sure. Do we know why? So basically, uh, what I'm seeing here is he died in Paris. So things are different. It's not. Mm. Mm-hmm. So um, in Paris, no autopsy was performed as no foul play was suspected. He died in Paris, and things are different in Paris. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the most widely accepted theory is that Jim and Pam – Ah, I just realized that they're Jim and Pam, like The I Office. Know. Is that why? Are you are you suggesting that a writer for The Office is like a crazy Doors fan? I, I mean <laughs> – I don't I'm, know. I guess there's another reason I mean, that they're like very common white people names. Oh, uh, yeah, that too. Okay. The most widely accepted theory is that Jim and Pam were partaking um, of a night of heroin use and that it went too far. So basically, I mean, I don't want to call a drug overdose like your stereotypical drug overdose, <laughs> but basically they were um, using heroin and it went too far and he died. And that's the most widely accepted theory. A second leading theory is that he snorted what he thought was cocaine. Oh, so yeah. Pam liked heroin. Jim, it was like known that he didn't care for heroin as much as other things. Which, mm-hmm. if it was known that like heroin wasn't his favorite, it kind of makes me wonder why the leading theory is so widely accepted. That they were just like doing heroin together. But, hmm. I mean, whatever. I mean... When you're a drug user, I guess all things are off the table. Um, But so they fought over drugs and they fought over heroin previously. He caught her doing drugs at home. She lied and said it's coke to avoid an an argument. And then he snorted a whole lot of heroin thinking it was coke. Uh. Um, um, She so he was found in a bathtub. Um, the theory for this theory, it's thought that she would move his body like after he snorted a bunch of heroin thinking it was coke so that she would move his body into the bathtub and draw a hot bath to revive him as hot baths were a method for bringing users out of their OD before it was common for people to carry like naloxone. Hmm. So if people went into an OD, like let's put him into a hot bath. So the fact that he was found in a bathtub made some people think that, like, she was with him and tried to revive him. 
and perhaps he um you know snorted what he thought was coke and it wasn't hmm. some more obscure theories about his death um that he died at a club and that his body was transferred hmm. so some um friends of Jim Morrison some uh people who worked at this club called Rock and Roll Circus claimed that he died in the bathroom um this was a club that he visited often while he was living in Paris um they said he showed up the night before his death looking to buy drugs at this club and then after he got them he went into the bathroom and never came out mm. and then when people found him in the bathroom he had foam and blood um, coming out of, like, or- orifices Ooh. on his fa- face, which is typical of a drug overdose. Um, and then they moved his body back to the apartment where he was found by Pam Corson the next day. Whoa. I know. So we just got... <laughs> I feel like it's... It's like on like a bottom level when you're like, oh, a boyfriend and a girlfriend were doing drugs and things went awry, mm-hmm. and then and then and then we have moved up a level <laughs> to um, he did drugs in the bathroom of a club and his body was moved. Like, okay, that shit's whack. Like, if that's true, because yeah. now people are involved. That's a cover up. Yeah. Like, I'm, my first thought was just, like, a weekend at Bernie situation, but, like, no, Paris version where they're, like, dragging him out of some Paris club yeah. with sunglasses on. And, like, the tops of his shoes are, like, dragging <laughs> on the sidewalk. And people are like, Jim, as he goes down the street as a corpse. I mean, how, I guess, so if that were to, that is plausible. It's not the most plausible, sure. but it is plausible. They It would He's definitely not have- the yeah, he's not the first or the last person that we'll probably talk about on this podcast that died in a club of a drug overdose, if right. that's the case. Right. <laughs> so, like, that's likely – and maybe people at this club, like, knew, had experienced that happening before. People OD'd and they didn't want them there and they, you know, took them other places and kind of set it up like it didn't happen. I mean, it's, yeah. so it's likely. It's just, like, it would take a lot of coordination and, like, nobody would, like – have to see them doing it or suspect that it was a famous, you know, rock star. So that's the middle tier on the crazy level. <clears throat> now going to the top tier on the crazy level. This is the theory I like to call Postmates heroin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. So there's a woman named Marianne Faithful. Hmm. Um, and she has told a story... <laughs> Um, where she and a former boyfriend of hers who was a drug dealer, um, she claims that he was responsible for Jim Morrison's death, where in her, the story that she told, the two had stopped at his apartment to drop off some drugs, and the heroin was too strong, and it, like, killed him on the spot. So, um... She said it was an accident, but just the drugs he took were too strong, and he died. Hmm. Um, Postmates heroin. Um, and then 
um, just, that was like top of the crazy meter, um, just like way off into crazy meter space. Like we're not even on the meter anymore. There are some people who believed that Jim Morrison faked his death because no autopsy was ever performed. Um, and some people believe that he is alive today reciting poetry in New York City um, or that he moved to Oregon um, and is living on a ranch under an assumed name. So, yeah, I mean, he's buried in Paris or a body under a tombstone named Jim Morrison is buried in Paris. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, this Marianne Faithful character, no one like pursued that or checked her version of the story that like oh yeah i watched jim morrison die (laughs) uh let's see so she gave an interview to mojo um in which she claimed this yeah it does i mean it doesn't look like anyone ever followed up on that which at this point when did she give that article i mean when did she give that interview i is there like a statute of limitations on this thing like i wonder if it's worth pursuing I guess it'd probably be, like, up to the family or, like, up to, who knows, because it occurred in another country. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually, when I was in Paris, I tried to see Jim Morrison's grave, but we got there with a bunch of other tourists, and it was, like, it's the Père Lachaise uh, Cemetery. It's, like, it's in Paris, but it was, like, kind of a trek from where we were, and we got there with all these other tourists who didn't speak French, and this, like, guy who would look like a caricature of a French police officer, like the crazy hat like under the chin he was just like and i was like what is he saying apparently the cemetery was closing so we had to leave but it was like i I didn't know that it was like sorry about my horrible impression of french but i tried i tried um all right so jim morrison is why no wait before i launch into this if any of you well, let us know what your theory is about Jim Morrison's death because, you know, it's the unknown. Uh, please email us or DM us. Jim Morrison is widely considered one of the most romanticized figures in rock and roll. Why do you think that is? Uh, my two theories are, one, he's a poet, in case you didn't know it. Oh and two, he's a bad boy and who doesn't love that? see my mgk crush yeah i mean jim morrison was he was definitely really handsome um his like you know trying to battle authority no respect for authority i think really vibed that time of like you know fuck the man blah blah blah. um and you know he was creative like he was you know kind of the perfect perfect combination to be attracting such a wide audience right do you think do you think that people today have a tendency to romanticize rock stars of yesteryear? And I guess what I mean by that is I feel like if he was pulling this shit today, people would have a lower tolerance for him. Yeah, and I think we definitely, it was very much how it was viewed in the context of that time. Like, mm-hmm. nobody really knew how bad heroin was. No one really knew, you know, how bad or, like, the effects that drugs and alcohol can have on you like no one really knew all these things um back then and it was also the context of 19 you know the late 60s early 70s now i think if we think about stars who do that like 
like a machine gun Kelly, who's like notorious for like being hungover during shows and like missing rehearsals because he's too hungover, like being fucked up during shows. Or like now for the 27 Club, how Amy Winehouse's behavior was perceived. Like, granted, she's a woman, so that makes it different. But I think what we know now about drugs and alcohol and, and, you know, rock and roll, I think it would be looked upon differently. Yeah. I just want to, like, do a call back to that story about him making out with a groupie backstage. Like, also, like, what a time to be alive for the average groupie. Like, I, I <laughs> well, feel like bands back then were, like, so much more open to hooking up with fans. That's why they made Almost Famous. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite movies ever. Ever. Okay. All these new girls, they eat all the steak. They show up and they eat all the fucking steak. I think I saw it once, like, many years ago. I probably couldn't recall all the details. Oh, it's so good. It's it's really, watch. it's, like, gonna make you feel all the feels. <laughs> um... Okay, so let's talk a little bit about his uh, girlfriend, Pamela Corson, also a member of the 27 Club. So this chick, (laughs) this is such a good story, like, fuck. Okay, so she was your average California college student, and they met one night at a nightclub on the Sunset Strip called London Fog in 1965. So this was like right before he made it big. Can you imagine meeting a guy and you're like, oh, he's in a band. And then he like becomes like the lead singer of one of the biggest bands in the entire world. Like <laughs> what a fucking break. Anyway, Do you mean for like her, if I had met him. Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly back in like 2012, like right before he, you know, hit it big. Is he first from album. Pennsylvania? Machine Gun Kelly? Yeah. No, he's from Ohio. He's from Cleveland. Oh, 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 oh. Cleveland Wild Boys. I'm not going to rap. I'm a so neighbor. Sorry. He's a, a neighbor. Okay. Anyway. Do you want to know a sidebar about Machine Gun Kelly in Pennsylvania? I would love to. Okay. He has a back tattoo of a Dali painting, and he got it in Reading. And he tells this, there's like a, like footage of him telling the story that he like got it in some hotel room in Reading and he went to use the bathroom and the bathtub was full of urine. And he was like, that's fucked up. Well, let's go finish my tattoo. What? Yeah. So like the double tree or like. <laughs> Something, some place that you and I have never been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're never going to wow. go to. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Jim and Pam's relationship was notoriously intense but tumultuous. There were arguments. There were infidelities. Mm. She was described by friends as having a sharp sense of humor and was your classic wild free spirit. Mm. One time, Jim Morrison set fire to a closet that Corson had locked herself in after she punched him. Like, this is their story. That's horrible. Yes. She oh survived. <laughs> um, so despite the fact that they were unmarried, um, his will named her as his heir, meaning she would inherit his entire fortune. There were all sorts of lawsuits that would come forward, um, and the money was tied up for several years, which she actually died three years after he did at age 27 from a heroin overdose. Hmm. 
Um, her internment plaque reads Pamela Susan Morrison, even though that was not her legal name. And then after her death, her parents inherited Jim Morrison's fortune. Hmm. And there were many legal battles that ensued because his parents were like, I don't want her parents to have this fortune. My fa- <laughs> I have a note here that says my feelings changed about this as I did more research. Because um, I was like, oh, the same parents who verbally abused him yeah. like through his childhood, but neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, and then what happened is her parents and his parents ended up splitting the money. Which is fair. Um, there was a movie made about this, and Meg Ryan played her in a movie. Did you see? Yeah, did you see the Doors movie? No. Oh, so it's actually so. Every all the facts that Megan painstakingly researched for this episode, it's actually fairly historically accurate to this. Like, it's a pretty good chronological timeline of the Doors and like what happened to Jim Morrison. This is like every book report person's dream. I could have just watched a movie for this. <laughs> but I know you and you would want to have wanted to verify all the facts. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, so it would have been I, double the work for you. So I had a hard time. <laughs> and we uh, we talked about this um, previously when we talked about Janis Joplin and how, like, <laughs> she looks old to us because she's in dated media Mm -hmm. where I was like oh my god Meg Ryan played this 24 year old girl and I'm thinking like Meg Ryan like John Mellencamp's uh girlfriend um so I'm thinking like 50 year old Meg Ryan when really like no she's quite young and quite beautiful um in this movie and and i do see the resemblance uh when i looked up stills from the movie yeah the movie so the movie just called the doors it was made in 91 i remember watching it in early high school so that would have been like 2005 2006 um val kilmer is jim morrison he he does like a spot-on jim morrison impression and then i remember reading about the um movie and the director was like i wish he wouldn't have done that like it was oh it was oliver stone and it, it was like too gimmicky i wish he would i wish he would have taken it a different way and i'm like okay well and then people would have complained that he wasn't being jim morrison so right um but the movie the, i distinctly remember there's this whole subplot and then in every like you know behind the music bi- biography thing they've done afterward interview this woman who had a sexual relationship with him she was a reporter but she was also a witch what and that's brought up in like every instance this woman is brought up and there's this like scene where they're like having sex and it's like i can't believe i watched that in high school um probably didn't tell my parents that but (laughs) it's uh wild but i think it's a pretty good it represents him like the rise and fall Mm -hmm. um and in the movie, it implies that he was an alcoholic. Okay. And, like, that he, when he died, like, this, so there's this image of him, like, in the bathtub when he's dead at the end of the movie. And he has this, like, beer gut that's, like, floating in the water. And there's a scene, like, before that where he's like, oh, look, look at me like I got fat. And it's kind of implied that he's just, like, yeah. gone downhill into being an, an alcoholic and it was alcohol that killed him. Well, he did gain a significant amount of weight. I actually have it in my notes to talk about. He did gain a significant amount of weight in the, you know, short period of time, actually, that he lived in Paris. So, I mean, I feel like if any drug is going to pack weight onto you, it's going to be alcohol. 
And he did have problems with alcohol, but I don't think that's what killed him. Yeah. Sidebar, um, do you want to guess who played Ray Manzarek? <laughs> Ooh. So, okay, so this is 91. I don't know what Ray Manzarek looks like. Um, but we have Meg Ryan. We have Val Kilmer. Was it like a Swayze? Um, you're kind of in the same realm. Think weirder and television. <laughs> um, Christopher Maloney. Oh, I'll just give it to you. Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, that's perfect. I should have guessed that. I'm very disappointed in myself. I don't remember that. Maybe because I hadn't watched uh, Twin Peaks at that point. Okay, so in in addition to Pamela Corson, Jim Morrison had a pretty interesting love life. <laughs> I, <laughs> Are you I, laughing? Because I'm reading my notes, and can you tell that I wrote this like the same day I watched Red Table Talk and Entanglement <laughs> with Janis Joplin? <laughs> I got into an entanglement with August. <laughs> oh, my God. I got into a different kind of entanglement mm-hmm. with August. And I got into an entanglement. <laughs> uh, okay, so, um, and then I wrote JK, an alcohol-fueled encounter. So we mm. know both of these people um, liked their drink. David Crosby once said, uh, years after all of this transpired that Jim Morrison was mean to Janis Joplin at a party and she hit him over the head with a whiskey bottle and after that she would only speak of him as that asshole oh my god (laughs) so I would say no love lost after whatever went down between those two oh god and then there's the question of are there any Jim Morrison love children out there Mm. At the time of his death, there were multiple paternity actions pending against him, but no claims were carried forth against his estate. So it was like they were dropped when he died. Mm. So I guess it makes you wonder how real they were. Do you think that Ronan Farrow is Frank Sinatra's son? Um, yes, because he's handsome. So probably. <laughs> so he's not Woody Allen's son? Uh, right, no, right, right, right. For many reasons. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. Okay, um, throwing this out there, um, Jim Morrison could get it. <laughs> that jawline is chiseled <laughs> by the gods. He even looks good with a beard too, which you know I don't know if yeah. you've seen it out there, but like beards are like makeup for men. You just you really got to be aware of what's going on under there. Um, Can you insert the Kesha? I like your beard. <laughs> I like your beard. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I love beards, dude. Yeah. So with or without Jim Morrison. I'm all about that. I'm not gonna lie. He like was, I feel he like he was very attractive. He was very attractive. Yeah. Um so we talked about this briefly, but his physical appearance really changed in the last one or two years of his life. He grew a big bushy beard, he gained some weight. Some people surmised that he was over being a sex symbol. I mean, think from, there's any truth to that? Yeah, but I mean, from what every, everything that's said about him, I don't think he really, it didn't really seem like he cared too much about that. Right. Well, no, he did a lot of hooking up. I put a picture of a 
slightly larger Jim Morrison with long hair and a bushy beard in our Google Doc with the subtext, not, not hot. <laughs> like, like, oh, good try, Jim Morrison. Like, I'd still, like, check you out walking down the street. Um, in the words of Snooky, I wouldn't push him <laughs> off. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was so horrible. He actually, it's crazy in this picture. He looks, it looks like it could be a black and white photo of a guy today, like a hipster guy. Yeah. Like he's wearing a hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's why I'm like a Jim Morrison because he looks like a 2020 hipster. He really does. In his later years. Yes. And I say later years of like the last one and a half of three (laughs) that he was known (laughs) for to us um okay so we touched on this earlier i'd argue that of anyone we discuss on this episode today jim morrison is the most beloved would you agree hmm i don't know i because i think that there's just as much love for Jimi hendrix like Jimi hendrix was like revered as a musician like, I'm sorry, Jim Morrison's not that great of a singer. The Doors was not that great of a band. Maybe. So maybe of seemingly equal caliber, but in different categories. So, uh, like, mm-hmm. Jim Morrison. Um, no, let me start with Jimmy. Too many Jims. Um, Jimi Hendrix is uh, your music, your musician, talent beyond measure. And then Jim Morrison is more like your poet and um, the lyrics or concepts that he sang about were original and or groundbreaking. Yeah, and I also think the format that it was delivered in, you know, the music of that time, like, so yeah, I would say that's right. And I think also because he was a more divisive figure, it just brings up a lot with everybody like I think people have an opinion on him way more than they do Jimi Hendrix like Jimi Hendrix like yeah best guitarist ever Jim Morrison it's like oh he was a drunk or like oh he was an amazing poet like people have he really stirs up controversy ah yep I think you just hit the nail on the head girl um all right Jim any other thoughts or opinions about Jim Morrison not about Jim Morrison but do you want to hear another crazy story about Paris (laughs) yeah Okay, so I went there with my then-boyfriend, who I won't, you know, everyone knows him, um, that knows me. Who doesn't deserve any time or mention on this podcast. Yeah, and I just don't want to start shit, because, like, who knows um, who listens to this. So we both studied abroad at the same time, and we went to a couple of different places, and one of them was Paris. And Paris is amazing. Um, it's beautiful. They also, they're not as rude as people say. They are, like, pretty, they just don't give a shit. They're like, I don't really care that you're American. Like, whatever. Like, I'm just not impressed. But they were perfectly nice to us. Um, So (laughs) there's no – you can – anywhere in Paris, you are no further than 400 meters from a metro stop. So there's a vast metro um, system in Paris, which is really cool because you could get everywhere really fast. Um, Even though it was beautiful to walk in, it was like we were able to do a lot of sightseeing because of it. So it was like – tons of time like running through like these tunnels like these parisian subway tunnels so <laughs> we're going somewhere 
and we like went down the steps and everything's really old it looks like it, it looks like Les Mis but like modern subway station so it's like beautiful like brick and like but I get this like smell this like really bad smell like 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 someone just took a dump and like I'm seeing like these rap these Burger King rappers all strewn about this Parisian like subway tunnel and I'm like what the fuck we're walking past the Burger King rappers and in the middle of the subway hallway is a steaming pile of diarrhea. <laughs> like <laughs> so so fucking nasty. It smelled horrendous. And like so many things are running through my mind as we're running for this train because everything's happening so fast. Like the smell, the Burger King wrappers, the pile of steaming pile of shit and then continuing and I'm like why why is that there like how did it get there like did someone just it was it was out in the open and like what does the burger king rappers have to do with it like was it caused by the burger king and i'm like all these things are running through mind is we're like catching this train and like going off into the paris metro system great i'm not not going to think of that the next time i eat an impossible whopper Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) Time to shout out some sources who aided in the research of this episode. Honestly, there are a plethora, um, but the main ones, an article by Emily Lyman for Haunted Publications, Self.com, TMZ, Entertainment Weekly, Cultural Collectiva, Weird History, Rock NYC, IMDb, allthingsinteresting.com, and Wikipedia. Want to let us know what you think about the 27 Club, this podcast, or just want to let us know what celebrity death you can't get over? Email your feedback to hollywoodpodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodpodcast to get clues about future episodes and photos that go along with the stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of Holly Weird. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for the final installment of our 27 Club series, where we discuss the deaths of a Seattle rocker, not who you think, and a Star Trek star. <laughs> <laughs>